Well, hey, Coastline, uh, enjoy my gifted, beautiful wife, Dr. Janine Hanger. Yep. Okay, thank you. Hello. So I get to contribute to this ambassador theme that we've been in. Um, how do we represent Christ to those around us? Or another way to put it, if we are living as part of God's kingdom now, what does it look like to represent his kingdom to others? Um, and last week, Ben Aaron talked about how we don't walk alone, that the Spirit um, is our advocate and our guide, and he is a presence who goes with us as ambassadors. And so tonight, we want to recognize that as ambassadors, we not only have the Spirit, but we have each other. Um, and, and we're called to represent Christ and his kingdom to the world around us, and we're not alone. And so we're going to be in uh, the book of John. So if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, um, we're going to be in John 17. But I want to introduce the context of John 17. It actually sits in this section of the gospel, John 13 to 17. It's five chapters of scripture. And um, in the narrative, the narrative time slows way down. And this is a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. And he's getting ready to go to the cross. And it's in the context of the Last Supper. And so it's five chapters of Jesus giving instructions. And he's saying, I'm going to be leaving. And they don't really understand what that's about. They don't get that he's going to the cross. And, and But he, he's there to reassure him. He says, don't be troubled. I'm going to pre prepare a place for you. And this is where he introduces the spirit to them. Uh, he calls the spirit another helper who's going to provide a constant presence with them. The Spirit is going to teach them all things and guide them into the truth. He's going to remind them of everything Jesus has said to them, what he he speaks, what he hears from God. And so um, also in that conversation, he talks about um, the suffering and the opposition that they're going to face. He says, basically, if they hated and persecuted Jesus first, they're going to do the same to you as well. And in this context, Jesus is saying, you're not going to be alone because you have me. So... At the very end of this conversation in John chapter 17, the entire chapter is given to this prayer. And Jesus is praying to his Father for the disciples. So let's catch a little glimpse of this prayer. So if you're reading along, we're going to start in verse 13, go from 13 to 19. And he says this to the Father. Jesus says, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent them into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. And so here he's basically praying this prayer of protection as the disciples are left in the world. They're going to be ambassadors. They're going to represent Christ to the world. And um, Jesus is saying, they're, but they're not of the world just as I am not of the world. But, but he's going to represent, or they're going to represent him. And so um, he's, he's, this prayer gets even better. So as we move into verses 20 and 21, um, let's look what he adds to this. Verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So what I love about this part of the passage is that in verse 20, the prayer is not just for the disciples. Notice he says, my prayer is not for them, and he's talking about his original disciples. I pray also for those who will believe 
after them, and that is us. So Jesus is actually praying for you and me in that prayer. And so as the gospel goes down through the generations, that is a prayer for us. And then it gets even better than that in verse 21. He says, I pray that they will all be in unity. And he mirrors this unity with the unity that the Father and Jesus have with each other. So just as you and I are in in this unity, may they be in union as well. Um, And so we are drawn into this community of Father, Son, and Spirit, which Ben talked about last week. Um, And so from its design, the church was meant to be in community with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. He is this living presence that is with us at all times to keep us encouraged. Um, So as we go to think about being ambassadors, um, I tend to think about, like I, I think about the word ambassador in terms of the language as we use it today. So this might be um, like a U.S. diplomat who represents our country on foreign soil or vice versa. Um, And I tend to think of this person as like a solitary dignitary sitting in this office or in an embassy. It's very corporate and formal and there are handshakes and it's friendly, but it's formal. Um, And I think on top of that, we live in a very individualistic society. And so we tend toward thinking about ourselves as ambassadors as solely in terms of our internal pietistic connection with Christ. We think about, I need to represent Christ. And we do. It's, of course, we want to be continue to be shaped to be more like him so that we can represent who Christ is um, to the world around us. Um, but as ambassadors of Christ, we are part of a community from the very beginning. Um, we're part of a family, and we're never meant to be the only ones in the embassy. Um, you've been saved into a community, and so together we represent Christ. And the Farewell Discourse gives us further clues into how we represent Christ. And for that, I want to kind of just summarize actually the very beginning of the Farewell Discourse. So I'm kind of flip-flopping the order, but in the beginning of the of the Farewell Discourse, John chapter 13, we're not going to go there, but um, I'll just describe it for you. You can read it on your own time. But the setting for the discourse is the Last Supper. So they're sitting around in a meal. And Jesus goes around and he stoops down to wash all of his disciples' feet. And this is a pretty profound thing that he does. He does it during the meal. And it's so shocking because it's so humble what he does that even Peter protests. He says, Jesus, you will never wash my feet because it's such a humble thing. Um, in that day, we don't we do not do foot washing. We, we wash our hands a lot, but we don't do foot washing. But back then, um, feet would get really dirty and they would um, you would come to someone's house and maybe a servant would wash your feet or you might wash your own feet but never would a teacher watch, wash a student's feet. That would just never happen. So the fact that Jesus does it for his disciples is really shocking. And what this is interpreted to mean is, is it actually is, an, is a gesture that prefigures the cross, mm. the humility and the love. Um, it's interpreted at the very beginning as Jesus loved them to the fullest extent, which means he loved them all the way to the end of his life, but he loved them to the fullest extent of love. And when he goes to the cross on our behalf, that is the fullest extent of his love, that he gives his life for us. And um, and so similarly, the foot washing represents this. He goes to the fullest extent of love for us and serves us by washing our feet. And we see this in his interaction with Peter, because Peter says, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus says, actually, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you cannot have any part with me. And so... Our ability to allow him to wash our feet is to allow him to love us to the fullest extent by serving us. 
So that's the first meaning of the foot washing. The second meaning, Jesus says, now that I've done this for you, now you go wash each other's feet. Um, if I, the teacher, have washed yours, you can do this for each other. And then he goes on even more a little bit later in the passage, and he says, just as I have loved you, go love each other. So he says, not only just serve each other, but love one another. And how do you love one another? You love one another as I have loved you. And how have I loved you? He has washed their feet. He has served them. Um, he's loved them to the fullest extent. So it's a pretty incredible scene, what, mm -hmm. what we get to read about. Um, a little bit later, and this is the last part of the passage that we'll read for tonight, if you want to flip over to John 15... In John 15, he adds a little bit more to that call to love each other. Um, starting in verse 12, Jesus says again, he's, it's in the middle of some more teaching that he gives them. He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. We've heard that already. And then he goes on and says, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for, one friends, for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So love is laying down your life for your friends. To be a friend of Jesus is to lay down our lives for our friends. To love as Jesus loved us, right? So what does it mean to live as Christ's ambassador? Ambassadors are Jesus' friends, living in community. Um, and I want to think for a minute about the nature of friendship. I think that's a word that's super common, but it, it kind of hit me this week as I was preparing. Friendship only lives in community. You can only be a friend if you're connected to someone else, right? Um, the paradigm is not a solitary paradigm. It's a communal paradigm. Um, you cannot be a friend if you're all alone, right? And I think we will often, in our individualistic society, we will see ourselves as friends with Jesus, right? I am, he is my personal friend, and it's just me and Jesus and Jesus and me, and I don't really need anyone else. And I think a lot of us go through our lives as Christians thinking that. Um, but Jesus doesn't give us that option. When he introduces this friendship, it is both our friendship with him and our friendship with each other. Um, we're together in this calling, and the call as ambassadors is to be friends, and it never allows us to be alone. And this can be really comforting. Um, if you're nervous about how do I represent Christ in the world, um, because it sounds difficult or hard or scary, um, the paradigm of friendship means that we're never alone, um, which is good news. Um, but let's flesh out a little bit more what is it like to reflect this friendship, this heart. Um, in this concept of friendship, it's kind of like hanging out with good friends. Like, how do we be ambassadors? It's like creating a context where you hang out with your good friends and you share a meal together, just like at the Last Supper. Um, throughout Scripture, we see the kingdom described as a feast, as a meal. We sit at the table together. Um, we might think of an embassy with walls, a building with walls, but Jesus's kingdom embassy may be more like a giant feast among a community of friends. And they're all sitting around the table with good food and drink and laughter and love, and it's a safe place, and it's a place of welcome. So I think if we want to be his ambassadors, a major component of this is our ability to thrive in friendship and to become a place that welcomes others in. Um, maybe put another way, ambassadors living in friendship and unity with one another, um, we can become a reflection of the unity and love of the Godhead. And this is why unity is key, right? His prayer is that we would be one just as the Father and Jesus are. 
And this unity is actually how the world will believe that the Father sent Jesus. That's what he says in 1721. So when we live as a united body of friends, we present to the world an inviting picture of what life with Jesus is about. Um, but I think sometimes being a community of friends can be really difficult. Um, and that's because we're all imperfect, right? And when our imperfections touch each other, um, there's hurt. And then when there's hurt, we tend to pull away. So how do we create a place where we can thrive in this community of friendships? And so I want to talk about three things that make friendship and unity difficult and hopefully provide some encouragement. Um, the first thing is that I think sometimes we get scared to extend ourselves. Um, we might be scared of change or scared of difference, but especially I think we get scared of being hurt. Uh, because here's the thing, in our flesh, we can always extend ourselves once. But once you've been hurt once, it's hard to extend yourself again, right? Um, and not that I'm not saying that we shouldn't set up boundaries. It, uh, boundaries are important, um, but if we set up so many boundaries, we never extend ourselves. I think that's, uh, I just don't think that's ideal. I mean, think about how much Jesus extended himself again and again. Um, in, in the Last Supper scene, he washes Judas's feet knowing Judas is going to betray him, you know? Um, and then think about Peter. That's another one that I think is really profound because Jesus continues to extend himself through to Peter, and we see it throughout the Gospels. Um, Peter walks on water towards him, and he sinks because of his lack of faith, right? Um, Peter's the one who cuts off the ear of the guard at Jesus' arrest, and Jesus, Jesus restores the ear, and right? And then Peter denies Jesus three times. He denies that he even knows him when, he, um, when Jesus needs him the most. And what does Jesus do? He restores him once again. So I think we have a lot to learn from looking at how Jesus extends himself. And um, I think there's a call to keep forgiving, keep extending. Um, so that's the first point. We, I think we get scared to extend ourselves. Um, the second thing that makes friendship and community difficult is I think we can get comfortable, mm. right? And in that comfort, we can become felt selfish. Um, we view friendships according to how they will benefit us and keep us comfortable. Um, and it's hard to reach out when you only consider your own perspective. I think when you only consider how this makes me feel, we neglect to think about how someone else might be blessed if I were to extend myself to them. Um, back when I was in college, I had this group of eight friends and we were super tight and we did everything together. We lived in the dorms together and we just, we just had a great friendship and we would do these events. And I had this one friend in that group and she was always inviting other people into our group and, and it just kind of bugged me because I'm an introvert and these were my, my safe people. They were my comfortable people. And so this one time we went on a weekend camping trip and she, unbeknownst to me, was like, oh, I invited these two friends. And I was like, great, that's great. And they came and I was, um, you know, it just, it kind of disrupted what was safe for me. But by the end of the weekend, I had two new friends that I would not have had if this friend had not extended herself and kind of broken us out of our comfort zone. And, and these friends, I think, were blessed, and so was I. And I think, um, I think sometimes we have to give up a little bit of our comfort um, and try to think about how, does, how would someone else benefit from an extension of friendship. Um, the third thing I think we sometimes miss in thriving friendships is we get self-sufficient. 
Um, our culture has a high value on independence and self-sufficiency, and it trains us to not admit that we need help. Mm-hmm. It trains us to not ask for help. But in Jesus' kingdom, it's flipped. When we ask for help, we are inviting someone else into the work that God can do. Right? Have you ever thought about that? When you, you need someone to pray for you or to provide something for you and you ask for help, it is an opportunity for God to use them to bless you, and it blesses them in return. And it's an opportunity to participate in, in his work and in that friendship. So, you know, I don't know. I just think don't be afraid to articulate need. I think we are quicker to want to wash others' feet than we are willing to have our feet washed. Um, I think I think that's I think that's true for me. So, um, so unity is hard. Friendship and community can be difficult. Um, but when we press in, I think it can be a, a gift. Um, the gift of being a community of ambassador friends is first that we can reflect the spirit back and forth to each other. Right? We all carry the spirit of God in us, the very presence of God. And so coming together, I think, is such an encouragement because we're not meant to do this life by ourselves. In this world, it is hard to go it alone. Um, We live in a world that flows in a certain direction that is often the very opposite direction that Christ is calling us to go. Um, But Jesus and the scripture writers throughout refer to the church in corporate metaphors. The church is a building. The church is a body. The church is a friendship, right? Um, I love that imagery of logs or coals and a fire, right? When you get like hot coals and a fire, if you separate one of those coals away from the fire, it doesn't take long for the fire to go out. But when you put it together, they can burn brighter and hotter. And I think that is a picture of what the church can have together in this community of friendship. And together, I think we can fellowship and share joy and partnership toward a common goal. Um, I mean, case in point is the Coastline Preview Service, which we talked about. Um, There is not one person who could have put on what happened on Sunday. Like, everyone was needed, right? It took a, a giant team. It took all of us. And together we created a space for all of us to come together as friends, to worship God together, to fellowship, to hear from Him in in, through the word and in prayer. Um, and I think we, I hope that we were welcomed. Um, I think we, we, we can, in that space, create a space of welcome for new friends. So I hope that if you came for the first time, you felt welcomed. If you didn't, don't give up on us because I think we're all growing in this. And so I just want to encourage you. I think all of us need to grow in, the, in how we welcome each other. And I think I would just encourage those of you who don't necessarily have that sense of community yet to keep pressing in. Come to our carbs and caffeine or carbs and community. Come for the donut and (laughs) someone will say hi to you and and engage with you. Um, And and I think we can do that for each other. I think there are other opportunities coming up in students and children and um, different opportunities to press in and... um, and even if you came and you want to start getting involved serving, like, say so. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to need more people. And I think it took a, like, people spent a lot of hours, and so we could always use more help. And it, it's it's meant to be um, together. So, let's see. Yeah, let me just close with this. I think together in friendship, we can just encourage each other as we go to represent Christ. And, and in two ways. 
Um, I think we can encourage each other um, as a Coastline family, as we are gathered together. We can be this welcoming space that reflects Jesus, and we can be constantly extending welcome to all. Um, and I want you to think about um, what would you want others to experience at God's kingdom shared feast, right? What role do you play? Everyone has a role to play. So what, what is your part um, towards loving and serving each other, towards providing safety, towards providing a space that's safe for even grief and suffering um, and for laughter and joy? Like what is your role in that? And then I think after we gather, I think we are sent out. And so what can you glean? What can you learn from this time in friendship that can instruct you to be a welcoming person out in the world and the other spheres of your life, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, with the friends you work out with, whatever? Um, how is that... Um, ability to nurture friendship going to travel with you and so that you can become an you, it helps you to become an ambassador wherever you go so um i think that's all i got so maybe i can just close this in prayer and then we'll be done god thanks for tonight thanks that you've called us your friends thank you that we don't have to do this alone um, thank you that you are always with us your living presence is always with us. And as we gather together, we um, see more of that. We can reflect that back and forth to one another. And I pray that you would um, go with Coastline Covenant. Would you go with us as we seek to be better friends to each other and better friends to those who, who are checking it out and want to be part of this. I pray that we would become a, a place of welcome um, and that you would continue to instruct us on how to be people of welcome, that we can be persons who welcome others wherever we go, because you have loved us and you've called us your friends, and, and that is something that is worth sharing, uh, because it means everything. It means everything that you've washed our feet and that you um, love us so much that you would um, give your life on our behalf, your, your sacrifice and your, your humility, um, in the love that you show for us um, compels us. And so we thank you for that gift and we pray that you would continue to send us out to um, love others as you have loved us. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Amen.